Game Do you face your fears or do you flinch? As you are with me today, I take it you're not the flinching kind. My name is Elgin Barrett, and every two weeks I bring you a new original story of the strange and supernatural. This time we go to an old industrial town in South Wales, where three young men find the ultimate test of nerve. And I apologize for the foul language, but these are not the kind of people you can ask to tone it down. The story is performed by Wayne Forrester and entitled The Safe House. It was at the match one Saturday when Jake first pointed out Bleacher. He was in among a tight little gang behind the goal at the home end. They were all shirtless, even though it was February and a freezing cold afternoon. In fact, a slight mist was rising off them as they stood on the plastic seats in the middle of the near-empty terrace. The game was awful. We were three nil down by half-time, and watching Bleacher and his mates was better entertainment than anything on the pitch. Whatever was going on in their heads bore no relation to what was happening around them. For no apparent reason, they would all suddenly let out a roar and start jumping up and down, their right fists raised above their heads. Just as suddenly, they would stop. And then, after a pause, there'd be a burst of rhythmic clapping and a chant would go up, whose words and purpose were impossible to fathom. Bleacher himself was easy to pick out. He was a big lad, shaven-headed, his torso heavily inked and he had found himself a traffic cone which he was using as a megaphone. You could hear his voice quite distinctly, bellowing across the ground, hurling obscenities at the opposition, the referee. And you actually know him? I asked Jake. Yeah, sort of. It was GCSE year, so we must have been only fifteen, maybe sixteen. But Jake already fancied himself as a bit of a hard case. He was always in trouble. Vandalism, bullying, joyriding, you name it. And I suppose he was an odd kind of friend for me to have. I was the sort who read books, passed exams, kept his parents happy. But Jake and I had known each other since we were little kids. He only lived round the corner, and despite our differences, there was still a bond between us. I knew he watched my back at school and made sure the other tough kids left me alone. The studious ones like me were considered fair game. Ours was a hard man's town. We'd been miners, seamen, navvies, stokers, steelmen for generations. And the fact those jobs had gone didn't change the way we were. It was there in the humour, the stoicism, the banter, the reckless pursuit of pleasure. And to aspire to university as I did was not considered a worthy ambition. It was a failure, an act of cowardice, a betrayal, an admission that you simply couldn't hack it among your own kind. So, no one gave a damn about my A grades or my triumph in the inter-schools debating competition. Jake was the one who commanded respect, and I didn't begrudge him. As I sat at my desk on a winter's night, I liked the idea of him out there, roaming back alleys with his spray can, dealing weed, smashing things up, getting into fights. It seems strange when I think about it now, but in my muddled teenage head, he was the one who was achieving things, not me. 
But the idea that he might actually know someone like Bleacher, well, that was something else. Because Bleacher was in a different league altogether. He was clearly a berserker, a psycho, a nutter, the kind whose very presence struck fear into you. And so I kept an eye out for him when I was in town. I spotted him a few times, mostly around the bus station. Sometimes he'd be sitting in a doorway, drinking with a bunch of older men, sometimes approaching passengers for money as they got off the National Express. According to Jake, he was homeless. He slept in the service road at the back of the shopping centre. But he didn't carry himself like the other homeless guys. He didn't have that dejected, slightly pathetic look. There was a swagger about him, an air of menace, a sense that he respected no one, cared for nothing and was capable of absolutely anything. I was in awe. So when Jake said he was going to meet up with him in town and would I like to tag along, well, how could I say no? It was a Wednesday, a school night. But I told my parents I was going off to play chess with a kid who lived a few streets away. I dressed as scruffily as I could get away with and set off at half six, just as it was getting dark. I found them in an empty bay in the bus station. As I approached, I could hear Bleacher's voice. I didn't mean to do it. Do you know what I'm saying, Jake? But the kid was fucking asking for it. I stood nervously for a few moments, watching, not wanting to interrupt. Up close, Bleacher was even more feral than he had first appeared. His head was scratched and badly shaved with patches of dark stubble showing, and he was dressed as if from a skip. Stained and sagging tracksuit bottoms, a buttonless shirt of indeterminate colour. Jake sat on the bench, looking up at him as he paced up and down, talking with manic rapidity, slashing at the air with his arms to make his point. Suddenly his story came to an end. They both threw their heads back, roared with laughter and high-fived. I summoned up my courage. Are you all right, Jake? I called. So you came, then? Yeah. This is my mate, Sai, he said to Bleacher. Bleacher turned to me, but he made no acknowledgement. Instead, he tugged up his sagging trackies and said to Jake, We get some bevies on the way, eh? On the way where, I wondered, although I didn't ask. Jake, I knew, had a fake ID, which meant he could get served in pubs, but I certainly didn't. I wasn't really bothered, though, I was only there to tag along. They headed up the hill, with me a few paces behind. Bleacher talking animatedly into Jake's ear the whole way. We crossed the bridge over the railway, and Bleacher stopped outside a supermarket in one of the streets above the station. This'll do, he said, and marched through the sliding doors. A security guard, a fat bloke, in an extremely tight black uniform, was propped against the wall next to the vegetables. Aye, aye, Bleacher said to him, with more than a hint of threat in his voice. Then he sauntered over to the special offers at the start of the aisle. The security bloke eyed him warily. Oi, Bleacher called to him. He pointed to a stack of boxes containing cheap bottles of wine. Which of these are the free ones? What? said the security guy, pushing himself off the wall. I said, which are the free ones? 
It says here, buy three, get fourth free. The guy cocked his head to one side. Huh? Bleacher rolled his eyes. It says here, some of these bottles are free, right? All I'm asking is which ones? But uh, none of them are free. Don't be daft. Some of them must be, otherwise the offer makes no sense. So, say someone buys these three bottles here. He tapped each one with his finger. Then this one must be the free one. He pulled it from the box and, without any warning, slung it at Jake. It took him completely unawares. Whoa! he shouted as the bottle hit him in the chest. He grabbed at it, managing to hang on, but only just. Put that back, said the security bloke. And then I'm thinking, said Bleacher, one, two, three, this one must be free and all. And before I knew it, he'd thrown that one too. Oh my God, straight at me. I could see it as if in slow-mo, arcing through the air towards me. Shit, shit, shit. It was starting to drop. No, starting to plummet. I lunged forward, clutched and held it an inch above the floor. What do you think you're doing? said the security guard, a squeak of hysteria in his voice. I looked up and saw that Bleacher was shooing me and Jake towards the door and picking up another bottle for himself. The security guy was waving frantically towards the checkouts at the same time as trying to get between Bleacher and the exit. I tell you what, said Bleacher, as we've been such good customers, we'll have this one and all. He grabbed another bottle and turned to find the security guy with his arms spread, making himself as big as he could to bar the way. Oh, Bleacher loved that. He started to dance like a boxer, ducking and weaving, first one side, then the other. You want to have a go? He was saying. Come on then, come on. Then he shimmied, fainted right, dodged left, and was out through the doors before the guy could stop him. <laughs> out on the pavement... Bleacher and Jake were drunk on the triumph, the hilarity of it all. They bumped chests, high-fived, and staggered up the hill, laughing so much they were both doubled over. Did you see his face? Jake was saying over and over again. Did you see his fucking face? I followed them blindly. My heart was beating fit to burst. I was giddy with adrenaline. I blundered, stumbled, sidestepped pedestrians, bumped into wing mirrors, not quite able to process what had happened. But with every step, the magnitude of it was becoming clearer. A middle-aged woman stopped and looked at me accusingly. There was something vaguely familiar about her. Oh, my God, did she know me? A friend of my mother's, perhaps. And even if she didn't, someone would. Because there had been security cameras in there, hadn't there? And it was only a small town. People would recognise me. The other two might not care, but I did. I was hoping to go to university. No, not hoping. I was expecting... Oh, my God! What the bloody hell had I just done? Suddenly, Bleacher stopped, turned to face down the hill, planted his feet wide apart and raised the bottles above his head. "'Yeah!' he yelled. I looked back towards the store and saw that a small group had already gathered. There was the security guard, who was talking manically to anyone who would listen and pointing up the road at us. 
Next to him was a greasy-haired bloke in a tie with a mobile phone pressed to his ear. And all around was a steadily growing crowd. Some coming out of the store in their uniforms, others just passers-by, wanting to know what was happening, enjoying the drama of it all. And then a few of them started running towards us. There wasn't time to count how many. We best get going, lads, said Bleacher, and the three of us legged it up the hill. Bleacher racing ahead, Jake and I panting after him. I'd never run so fast in my life. When we got to the top, we stopped to catch our breath, hands on our knees. You enjoying this, boys? said Bleacher. Bloody hell, said Jake. There was no sign of our pursuers, and for a moment we relaxed. Then Jake and I turned to each other because we'd both heard it. Somewhere, way in the distance, was a siren. Shit, said Jake. That's not for us, is it? Nah, said Bleacher. But there was no doubt it was coming our way, and rapidly too. I think maybe we should, Jake started. Bleacher raised his hand. It's all right. We're nearly there. Follow me, boys. He beckoned us down a side street, and once again we started to sprint. I was vaguely aware that the siren had stopped for a moment. I guessed it had reached the supermarket and they were asking for information. Sure enough, it started again, howling up the hill towards us. Bleacher came to a halt in front of a high, cracked, much graffitied wall. It suddenly occurred to me where we were. Bleacher stooped, linked his hands together and nodded to me. You first. But we can't, I said. This is the safe house. For fuck's sake, hissed Jake. The siren was getting louder, much louder. There was no time to object. I put one foot on Bleacher's palms, and he propelled me upwards. I hauled myself onto the top of the wall. He passed me up a couple of bottles, and then I dropped into the brambles on the other side. Jake was next, but the siren was ridiculously close now. Surely they would get us. But in a moment, Jake was straddling the top of the wall, and he dropped to the ground too. The siren was now so loud it was unbearable. But then somehow, I don't know how he did it, Bleacher was over, landing on all fours beside us. We waited with our backs to the wall and held our breath. The police car crunched to a halt a little way down the street. The siren stopped. The blue light pulsed against the house in front of us. A car door opened, and there was a squawk of police radio. Was this it? There were footsteps on the pavement. What would I say to them? Implausible explanations half-formed in my mind. What would I tell my parents? My eyes started to brim with tears. Another squawk of radio. More footsteps. And then... And then the car door slammed. I turned to Jake. A moment later, the engine started up, and astonishingly, what do you know? The siren started, the car moved off, and eored away into the night. Jake blew out his cheeks. <sighs> that was a bit close for comfort, eh? Bleacher looked at him and let out a long, dirty laugh. <laughs> right, he said. Let's get inside before the bastards come back. And then he started making his way through the tangle of undergrowth in front of him. No, 
I said. But we can't. Shut it, whispered Jake. But seriously, we can't, I said. This is the safe house. I thought everyone knew about the safe house. I was sure Jake did. I mean, it was notorious. It had been derelict for as long as I could remember. And anyone who'd heard the stories knew why. But Jake was already right behind Bleacher. He turned to me. Come on! The house stood apart from the others in the street, behind a high wall with garden on all four sides. It had probably been a posh place once, but now the whole facade was covered in graffiti, hastily scribbled tags, huge block lettering, obscure badly drawn symbols, and on the wall above the front door someone had painted a demonic red face, its empty eye sockets rimmed in black. Are you coming or what? Jake hissed at me again. It was the last thing I wanted to do, but I could see I didn't have a choice. You do know what this place is, I said as I followed. Will you shut the fuck up? said Jake. As I understood it, at some point the house had been taken over by the government. The army had used it for a while, so they said. Or maybe it was the police. I wasn't sure of the details. Anyway, that was how it got its name. But if you believed what you heard, it was about as far from safe as you could get. Lots of people said they'd heard strange sounds coming from it. Desperate screams, wailing, howling, cries of terror. There was a rumour some crackheads had gone in one night and been found next morning on the other side of the river, all gibbering wrecks who never reclaimed their senses. And there were plenty of girls at school who reckoned there was a pervert with a torture dungeon in the basement. No, it was the kind of place no one in their right mind would think of entering. And so when I joined the other two in the porch, I was relieved to see the front door and the windows either side of it had been bricked up with breeze blocks. Jake was shaking his head. Yeah, and they'll have done the same to the old ground floor said Bleacher. Shit, said Jake. But my guess is, not up there. And Bleacher looked up. Above us was a curved balcony that ran most of the width of the house. I reckon that's the way in. We followed the same procedure as before, Bleacher giving first me a leg up, and then Jake, before somehow managing to scramble up and over himself. Sure enough, one of the windows giving on to the balcony, was hanging off its hinges. What did I tell you? said Bleacher. Right, let's take a look round, shall we? He stepped over the sill and into the room. There is no way, I said. Jake turned to me. Don't be a twat, he hissed. If you stay out here, you'll get us all arrested. He was right. We could be seen quite clearly from the street. I took a deep breath and followed him in through the broken window. My feet crunched on the glass on the floor. Jake was flashing his phone light around the room. It was empty, unremarkable. Then Bleacher's face appeared in the doorway, in the glow from his cigarette lighter. Welcome to the safe house, boys. And that was when I realised he'd been planning to take us there all along. But why? Why would he do that? What on earth did he have in mind? Come and have a look, he said. 
There were three other rooms on the floor. One of them was locked. One was a bathroom with a toilet smashed to a stump. So the squatters can't use it, explained Bleacher. And the third smelled as if something foul had crawled in there to die. Do you know what, boys? Bleacher said. I'm not feeling it up here. Let's take a look downstairs, eh? The banisters had gone completely, but Bleacher held his lighter aloft and clattered down the first few steps. Then there was the sound of splintering wood. Bloody hell, he said. Mind this one. My foot's gone straight through the bloody thing. Jake and I followed cautiously, lighting the way with our phones. When we got to the bottom, Bleacher whispered, Turn them off for a moment. The darkness was absolute. I wasn't sure I had ever experienced anything like it. There was a faint scuttling noise somewhere, followed by a very gentle splashing. Rats! Bleacher whispered with a certain relish. He held the silence for a few more moments, and then he said very quietly, Are you scared, boys? He paused. You don't need answer, because I know who you are. Nothing to be ashamed of. We've all heard the stories, though my guess is that's not what you were afraid of. Not really. Neither Jake nor I made a sound. No, I think it's the not knowing that gets you. Because you two have no idea what this place is, do you? He dropped his voice to not much above a whisper. So, I let you in on a secret. It's a test, this place. You fancy yourself as a hard man? This is where you come to prove it. Because it's in the mind where it counts. Do you face your fears or do you flinch? Have you really got the bottle? Do you know what I'm saying, boys? He left the question hanging. The silence stretched and stretched, and then there was a click from Bleacher's lighter, and his face appeared an inch from Jake's, his features twisted into a hideous gargoyle grimace. Jake shrieked, Fuck! What the fuck are you doing? The lighter clicked off, and Jake blundered backwards, while Bleacher laughed and laughed like it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. I think we can say you're the kind that flinches, eh, Jake? I could hear Jake's breath coming in short, shallow gasps. Hey, Jake! Fuck! He said again. And what about you? said Bleacher. Oh, shit, no. It was my turn. I could feel the blood beating in my ears. Bleacher clicked his lighter on and held it just below his own face so that it was streaked with shadows. How about you and I go and explore? He said to me. What do you say? There was a door to the left of him and he twisted the handle and pulled it open. He raised his lighter, and I saw there was a flight of steps leading down to the cellar. After you, said Bleacher. I'm not... I'm not going, I stammered. Bleacher moved the flame of his lighter towards me. What's your name again, he said. I stared into the shadows of his eye sockets. I tried to answer, but my mouth was too dry. I said, what's your name? I was afraid my voice would come out as nothing but a squeak, but I forced myself. I'm Simon. Simon. That's right, he said, nodding. Jake told me. Simon. 
He paused and brought his lighter closer, so I could feel its heat right underneath my chin. Well, do you know something, Simon? The thing was almost scorching me, but I didn't want to shy away. I said, do you know something? My mind was scrambled. How was I supposed to answer? I stared at him dumbly. Look, it's not a difficult question. It's not like I'm asking you what's the capital of Peru or something. No, I stammered. So, let's try again, shall we? Do you know something, Simon? Uh, no, I said. That's more like it. He moved his lighter away from me slightly. Because the thing is, Simon... You've not done bad for a soft lad. Tell the truth, I never thought you'd make it this far. He clicked his lighter off, and his footsteps moved away in the darkness. I had the sense that my ordeal was over. But why? Why was he doing this? Had he just brought us here for a laugh, to scare the shit out of us, and send us home to our mums? Was this his idea of fun? Or was it really some kind of test? And then his voice came again. Anyway, I appreciate you boys coming along. I've been glad of the company, but I don't expect you to go no further. I'll take it by myself from you. Wish me luck, though. He walked slowly away, sloshing through some water at the far end of the passageway. Then he turned and paced back towards us. He was breathing slowly, rhythmically, and muttering something to himself, the same words over and over again. I tried to hear what it was, but I couldn't quite catch it. He got as far as the bottom of the staircase, and then turned and paced back down the passage again. Jake switched his phone light on, and we watched his strange, almost trance-like progress. It was as if he was gathering himself, preparing for something. When he got to the end, he clicked his lighter on, and I could see that he was in front of a large, heavy-duty metal door, the kind you might find in an industrial plant. He banged on it three times and waited. What's he doing? I whispered to Jake. Jake held up his hand to silence me. The door swung open, and a harsh white light flooded into the passageway. Jake, I said, but his hand remained raised. Bleacher stepped into the room, and the door clanged shut behind him. There were a few moments of silence. Jake and I made our way cautiously towards the door. Then a sharp crack came from inside the room, followed immediately by another. There was a deep thud and an oof, as if someone had exhaled every ounce of air from their lungs. Jake, I whispered, who's in there? What's happening? The cracking noise came again and then Bleacher's voice, Fuck you, you bastard! He's in trouble, I said. He's in trouble. We have to do something. From behind the door came a series of thumps. Something slammed hard against a wall, and a muffled voice grunted as if through gritted teeth. Look, I think I'd better call someone, I said. But Jake just said very quietly, It's all right. He knows what he's doing. There was another crack. Bleacher's voice let out a murderous yell, and a second later something huge crashed against the door. A voice, not Bleacher's this time, bellowed and roared like a wounded animal, and there was a long groan like metal slowly shearing. 
From somewhere deep underground, a bell rang. An alarm, perhaps. The noise of the struggle continued, but there was a rumbling of footsteps below us now, several sets of them, and then a sudden tramping of feet and a confusion of voices in the room, some shouting, others barking instructions. In among them, I could hear Bleacher yelling quite clearly, Come on, then! You want to have a go, you bastards? Come on, then! The shouting grew louder for a few moments, the confusion more intense, and then it all fell away. A few quick words were exchanged. There was the sound of people moving around. But from Bleacher, not so much as a peep. Silence descended. We waited. Nothing. What do we do now? I whispered to Jake. And then, without warning, the door crashed open. The harsh white light flooded out. And just for a second I glimpsed a grim, cell-like room. Concrete floor, walls painted muddy green. A huge figure filled the doorway. He was a brute of a man, in heavy boots, fatigue trousers, and a tightly stretched vest, spattered with blood. He was breathing heavily, and in his right hand he held a long leather whip. He looked at Jake, and a huge grin spread across his face. Next! He barked, and he grabbed Jake by the front of his hoodie, hauled him inside and slammed the door. Jake couldn't have been in there more than five seconds. I heard a single thump, and next thing, the door opened, and he staggered back into the passageway, blood pouring in a torrent from his nose. Oh, my God, Jake! Oh, my God, what happened? I said. Jake said nothing. He just stood there, in a state of shock. And before I had a chance to pull him away... The brute was in the doorway once again. A hideous chill rippled through me as I realised he had come for me. No, I said. Oh my God, please, no. This is a mistake. It's a mistake. I shouldn't be here. The man looked me up and down with an expression of utter contempt. Don't make me laugh, he said. Why would we bother ourselves with you? Now fuck off, the pair of you. We didn't need a second time of asking. I was left utterly bewildered by the events in the safe house. The next couple of days, I went to the bus station to look for Bleacher, but there was no sign of him. That weekend, I asked around among the winos he hung out with, but nobody knew anything. In fact, I never saw Bleacher again. I called Jake pretty much every day, but he didn't pick up. After a while, I guessed he was avoiding me. I think he must have hated it that I had seen him humbled like that. Certainly from that point on, he seemed to get into more trouble than ever, almost as if he was proving a point. Eventually, he did a spell in a young offender's institution, and when he got out, he signed up for the forces, so I heard. As for me... No mention was ever made of the theft from the supermarket. My parents never asked where I'd been that night. During sixth form, I studied to the exclusion of pretty much anything else, and I got my place to read politics at Cardiff University, just as I had hoped. It was a few years after graduation that I got a message out of the blue from Jake. I thought you might be interested to see this, he wrote. Attached was an article from a local newspaper. 
a Gwent-born soldier, Corporal Blethyn Bleacher Thomas, of the Royal Welsh, has been awarded the Military Cross posthumously for exemplary gallantry in the face of enemy fire. The citation says that Corporal Thomas was killed as he attempted to run through machine-gun fire to rescue a stricken colleague during an assault on an ISIS position in western Iraq. A couple of days later, Jake wrote again. Don't be taken in by that crap about the Royal Welsh, by the way. He was with 24 SAS. If you've never heard of them, you should look them up. I did, although they took some finding. 24 SAS is the best kept secret in the British Army. No official acknowledgement of its existence has ever been made. However, persistent rumours suggest that it is a special forces regiment used for ultra-high-risk missions or in extremely controversial circumstances when total deniability is essential. It is believed that, rather like the French Foreign Legion, the regiment will accept anyone, regardless of their personal history, as long as they can prove they are made of the right stuff. Their methods of recruitment are legendary. <laughs> I thought back to the safe house as I read that, and I remembered Bleacher's words to me. You've not done bad for a soft lad. To this day, I don't think anything has ever made me feel quite so proud. The Safe House was written by Elgin Barrett and performed by Wayne Forrester. Technical presentation was by Malcolm Blackmore and music by John Woz. Music